Okay, so um, so yeah, this is the third of a series of, of three talks um, about our vision as a church. And really we've been exploring Jubilee Church being a community of people who know who we are, who know what we've got, and who know what we're called to. And uh, we've looked at that, Rob's, Rob's led us through that in the last couple of weeks. So who we are, we talked about our identity in Christ. The fact that that's both an individual thing for each of us, and it's for us corporately as the people of God. We've also looked at what we've got. We've looked at our emphasis on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The fact that we have his presence and what a precious thing that is. The fact that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given to us as a people for building us up and empowering us. And the fact that it is all about the Holy Spirit filling us and empowering us to do what we need to do. And we've also talked about what we're called to, the fact that there are those headlines that every disciple should be able to do, which is to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to preach good news to the poor, to be disciples who make other disciples. That's the kind of headlines for the people of God. And our vision is all about seeing and knowing who we are. The fact that we're Jubilee. We're a people who live in the good of God's grace and his freedom. That we know our identity as sons and daughters of the king. That we're a people of celebration. That's who we are. And our vision, as we've said for years, is in our name. Jubilee. That's what we're about. And our purpose is, we need to see and know our purpose. That's why it's a vision purpose. And it's to be jubilee. It's not just a thing for here in the mornings. But it's a people who dwell in, experience and carry the presence of God wherever we go. That's what we've got. So that's kind of a summary of where Rob's led us these last two weeks. And today we take it to the third stage. Looking at and understanding what it is we're called to do. Our mission, if you like, our remit, our calling as the people of God. This is about the practicalities of working out in our daily lives what it means to be Jubilee. So I want to invite you today to take the opportunity to look around. That's what vision does. Vision helps you look around and see. So to look around... See what we have been doing, see what we are doing, and see what we're going to be doing in the future as we continue to do what God's called us to. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to illustrate it through four different areas of things that we do. They'll be very familiar to you, but we feel that it's worth highlighting four different aspects and, uh, and illustrating those to show us what God's called us to. Now, there are many, many more things that we're called to, but... We've only got time for four things. So it means you get four speakers. So you get me plus three others. And uh, so you'll be meeting Alison, you'll be meeting Becky, and you'll be meeting Paul in due course. But all of these things that we do flow out of our vision and our purpose. They flow out of who we are and what we've got in God. So I'm going to do the first one, which is Sunday mornings. And, you know, we we gather here. We gather here on Sunday mornings. And why? What is the point of that? You've got to ask yourself that. We've been asking ourselves that 
over the course of the last few months because we had this thing going with live stream, you know, and it was so much convenient, wasn't it, over the last 18 months to do it all through the telly and not have to interact with people and be polite and all that kind of thing, not have to be heckled when you're preaching. It's been really, really nice. (laughs) Thank you. No, seriously. (laughs) But seriously, it asks big questions. And then when we don't get to go back to our building and we incur the cost of this every week, you've got to ask yourself the big questions. But just before you start to get worried... It was a resounding, absolute, we've got to meet together. We've got to get together. Sunday mornings are so central. Why? It's part of what we're called to. Absolutely part of what we do. Part of our mission. Note that I said that it's part of it. Sunday mornings must never, ever become the be all and end all. This is not entirely what we're about. It's just part of it. We're here to love God and other people. We're here to celebrate our king and advance his kingdom. We're here for on Sunday mornings so that Monday through Saturday can be impacting those whom we come across. Sunday gatherings can't achieve our mission, but they're part of it and a crucial part of it. So what do we do when we gather on a Sunday morning? Well, let's have, just have a look around at that and think. Well, first of all, we gather. It's the time of the week when we all get to assemble together. And that means that we stand in the line of God's people throughout the millennia. Because God's people have always gathered together. It's a time for fellowship. It's a time for breaking bread. It's a time for prayer. It's a time when we get to meet together. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Gathering, being together is so important. You could say it's our weekly family reunion. But it's not just the fact that we get to be in a room together. We get to worship. (laughs) You see, this gathering together isn't primarily for us. It's for him. That's what we're here for. It's about the people of God gathering in the presence of God, encountering him, miracles, healing. I love the fact that we've had um, words of knowledge this morning where there was healing on offer for The gathered people of God in his presence. That's what worship is about, our giving our all to him. But it's also about teaching. And that isn't about education. We've got schools and things that we can do that in the week for. It's about revelation and it's about obedience. Because truth leads to freedom. When we teach, it's not about the transmitting of information. It's not about head knowledge. It is way more powerful than that. Way more powerful. The word of God is our guide. It's our standard. It's our authority. 
Our teaching and preaching unpacks that and applies it. And it applies it in this corporate context. So we are reminded what we're about. It's a call to action week after week. And over the last 18 months, when we haven't been able to be together, we've looked at a whole range of things. We've looked at the story of Ezra and Nehemiah. Remember that? We then looked at the letter that James wrote to the scattered church. We looked at episodes from Jesus' ministry as recorded by Luke, that great historian in his gospel. We looked at the life of David and really explored the, what it means to have a heart after God's. It's quite a variety. Old Testament and New Testament. Narrative, letter, history. I don't know what your quiet times, devotional times are like. But do you have that kind of variety? I hope you do. But we have that here on Sunday mornings as we look at those things together as a people. And I hope that as I've listed those sermon series, there are points where you go, oh yeah, God spoke to me about that. Oh yeah, I remember. I'm different now because God opened up that passage to me, challenged me. So Sunday mornings is an opportunity for us to gather around the teaching of the word. It's also an opportunity for leadership. Sunday mornings are so important to us in seeking and communicating what God is doing amongst us. What is God saying? How is God leading us as his people? And there's an opportunity for us as leaders to work together to lead the church in that as we gather together. And it's also an opportunity for encouragement. That's why we have milling around beforehand and after. That's why we have a chance for the prophetic to flow. That's why we have coffee together. Because it's a chance for encouragement to abound and grow. The gathering of the church is where his presence is found. We're a community of people guided by his presence. And we've each got gifts that we use to encourage and exhort one another. So that's the first thing that I wanted us to look at. One of the core things that we're called to as the people of God. But it's not just a Sunday club. That would be far too limiting. It's to equip and to strengthen us for what God has called us to do beyond Sunday mornings. And so we're going to hear about that. So firstly, Becky is going to come and talk to us about the next thing that is part of our mission. Becky. Lovely. Well, good morning, everybody. So, um, so as we continue then, um, from what uh, Simon has introduced so brilliantly, um, as we look at our mission, I want us to get excited about how one of the things that God has called us to do is to be a people who carry a supernatural culture. So this is a culture that comes from being founded, led and filled by the Holy Spirit. And we've heard how as Jubilee we exist as a people who prioritise the presence of God. You know, that's what makes us distinctive. That's the purpose that everything we do flows out of. So, if we are to be a people who are hungry for his presence, who seek the Father's face above everything else, who ask him to fill us with his spirit again and again, 
knowing that we need his power and his life within us, then surely it figures that the culture we carry is going to look very different from the world around us. So what does this supernatural culture look like? Well, if you've been around Jubilee for any length of time, you will have sensed the expectancy as we gather. You know, we felt it this morning, didn't we? You know, and that's on a Sunday, but also in a smaller group setting. Whenever we gather as his people, as Jubilee, there's this anticipation that God is going to break out, that he really is is going to meet with his people as he promises that he will. And as we encounter God's presence, we start to see his kingdom breaking out and changing the world around us. And as this happens, lives get changed. You know, miracles break out, atmospheres shift, people are set free and given a hope and a future. People get healed We experienced some of that this morning. Prophetic words are shared that unlock destiny. The lies of the enemy get exposed and replaced with the truth of who our father is and who he's made us to be. Fear and anxiety get driven out by the father's perfect love. You know, I love what God is doing in our kids and young people. If you want to get a glimpse of what it looks like to carry this culture, to expect God to do what he says he will do, to see lives changed by him, I'd encourage you to look there first. And I want to encourage us this morning that we are all called to carry this supernatural culture as we go about our daily lives. You know, this, this isn't for the select few or those that we look up to as giants of the faith. As followers of Christ, Jesus says we are not of the world. That's John 17. So we are all called to carry the culture of heaven and to see the presence of God break out wherever we go. John Wimber famously said, everybody gets to play. And that was to describe how the Holy Spirit comes and lives in all of us when we follow Jesus. And so we all get to do the things that Jesus gave his disciples authority to do. Heal the sick, cast out demons and proclaim the kingdom of God. There's the expectation that all of us can encounter his presence and all of us can hear his voice. He's our father. He wants to reveal his heart to us and his plans for our lives and the lives of others. And so one of the things that we do is train people in the supernatural. We are currently on our third prophecy school. And these have been amazing times of growing in the prophetic to bring strengthening, encouragement and comfort, as 1 Corinthians 14 describes. Don't we want to be a people who carry his presence to everyone that we meet? To see people's lives transformed as we demonstrate God's love by releasing joy and peace and comfort, encouragement, life, freedom, the presence of the king wherever we go. 
And I really believe that this culture goes beyond Sunday morning, just as Simon was saying. God has called us to carry with us on Monday into all the places that he's put us. To pray for the sick in our places of work. To bring the presence of God into our neighbourhoods. To ask God to speak to us prophetically about our friends who don't know him. To bring freedom and hope to those around us. So, this is one part of the mission that God has given us as Jubilee Church. To be a people who carry a supernatural culture in all that we do. I'm going to hand over to Alison now, who's going to tell you about another part of our mission. So today, my job is to tell you about some of the things that we do as a church practically in serving our community. We have the children's storehouse, and as you may be aware, we're in the process of launching a debt advice project. But look, if you've not got the message already, here it is again. It's not just about me. Impacting our community is something that we are all called to do. We are all called to work out our faith in a social context, whether it's your family, your workplace, your school, your college. We're all called to do the stuff. As Rob said last week, it's about taking God's presence wherever we go. And this is at the very heart of what the storehouse is all about. So if you've not heard before what the children's storehouse is, I'm just going to give you a brief recap. Well, the Children's Storehouse is about showing compassion to families in a very practical and simple way. And we do this by giving away good quality clothes, toiletries and toys, catering for babies, children and young people. And we're working now with over 60 referral agencies from Sully Hull and the Birmingham area, with families who are experiencing financial hardship, who fled domestic violence, who are homeless or refugees or asylum seekers. And what we're doing is actually quite unique. There's nothing else quite like it anywhere in the Midlands. So how did it all start? Well, it was God's idea. It really was. We've had these prophetic words about starting several compassionate ministries. And then we had a God-inspired connection with another church that runs a similar storehouse project which I later discovered they called a compassionate ministry. And it really impacted me as it really resonated with that prophetic word that we'd been given. And so we became convinced that the Holy Spirit was leading us to start this new ministry. And he was making it clear that this was what he wanted. Alan Scott said, if your church closed tomorrow, would your town miss you? Well, That is exactly our aim. And over the pandemic, it's actually something that Sully Hill Council have said to us. We can't do this without you. That's what we've realised. We need to involve you more in future plans. How about that? Our town needs us. How cool is that? So why do we do what we do? 
As you will have heard, Jubilee's vision comes right out of Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's why God's heart is for the poor. And through the storehouse, we find practical ways to demonstrate. God's love to those in need. People experiencing financial hardship are actually all around us. And then look what Isaiah goes on to say. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And this is the idea behind our strapline, clothed with dignity. You see, we want everything we do to come from this core value of restoring dignity and treating people with respect and showing them God's heart of love with compassion. And this started with the very first family that came to us. I'll never forget that day. On the very first day we opened, we clothed a family with seven children who literally. <laughs> Sorry. Wasn't expecting this. Only had the clothes on their backs. And it ruined us. It really did. Our hearts were moved with compassion. And that's how the storehouse was born. Over the past four years, we've seen women who've had to flee their homes due to domestic violence. We've seen families who've had to flee torture in their country of origin. We've seen families who don't have enough money to pay for food and heating and buy clothes for their children. We've seen professionals who've lost everything. And these are families that are in our communities. And then through the pandemic, we had to change the way we operated. But it didn't change our values. They've remained the same. Just want to finish with some really exciting news. <laughs> We've just found out in the last couple of days that we have got new premises for the storehouse. <laughs> We've secured a town centre location. And drum roll, please. It's rent free. Woohoo! <laughs> We're so thankful to God to have a wonderful new location to serve our community from. Thank you, Jubilee, for all your prayers. This is part of what we get the privilege to do. Going to hand over now to Paul. I just feel like we need to pause there, actually, because that is hugely significant, not just the building stuff, um, but what Alison's communicated there. And we should be emotional about this kind of stuff because God is. 
His heart is for the poor. He weeps over the widows and the orphan and the immigrant and the destitute. That is his heart. And so I'd just like to encourage you to stand and we're going to call on God for those people, for those groups of people and, uh, and ask him to stir our hearts afresh. So, yeah, just lift up your voices where you are um, as we do that. Father God, we thank you that your heart is for those who have not. Your heart is for those who are at the bottom of the pile. Your heart is for the poor, for the widows, for the orphans, for the foreigners, for the unemployed, for the destitute, for the homeless, for the broken, for the beaten, for those who need you in their desperation. And God, we we thank you that you have blessed us mightily so that we can bless others. You have poured out your blessing on us so that we can be a blessing to those around us. Father, we thank you for this calling. This calling of compassionate ministry, this this calling on us as a church to declare the year of Jubilee to each and every one of these lives. We thank you for the hundreds of lives who have been affected over the years by the children's storehouse, for the hundreds of children who now have clothes on their back because you have opened a door for us to be able to minister to them. Father, we thank you so much for Alison and for the team, for the way they serve faithfully, the way against all the odds they continued things through lockdown. We thank you for that. We thank you, Father. And Lord, would you show us how we can be involved? Would you break our hearts in the way that your heart is broken? Father God, and we thank you for for this provision of a building. We'll pray more about this this evening, but we thank you for that, for your hand upon it, Lord God. And uh, Father, would you break our hearts afresh, though? Would this not be a comfortable thing we hear about on a Sunday morning and go away and forget as we eat a nice dinner, Lord, but that this would be something which stirs us to action. Father, would you advance your kingdom, we pray. Amen. Amen. As Alison spoke there, the verse that came to my mind was from Proverbs. Those who reap, uh, sow in tears, will reap with shouts of joy. There are going to be so many more shouts of joy, Alison, because of the way you have sown in tears and the compassion you have. And it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, it's me now. And uh, yes, in 1996, when the Midlands Initiative started, I did have a full head of hair. It is true. As weird as that seems now, that is true. Before Jesus left the earth, when he was here in physical form, he gathered his disciples, his followers. He gathered them together and he said this from Matthew 28. As we read in Matthew 28, he wasn't quoting Matthew 28. He was writing it pretty much. And Jesus came to them. And said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm talking to you, surprise, surprise, about discipleship. We are called to be a people who make disciples. Now, when I say make, I mean make, not disciple one another, although we do do that. 
new disciples. We are to reach out and make new disciples. And you'll have heard that that has run through, actually, everything that's come so far. That is a thread. Rob has um, mentioned when he preached, I think it was last week, that it's not us that build the church. And that's true. What Jesus asked us to do is to go and make disciples, and then he will build his church. He didn't call us to plant churches. He said, make disciples. Then churches get planted because you've made disciples. That is what we are called to do. We need to make them, grow them, see them baptized, see them filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what we are about. To take that supernatural culture and see people's lives changed. I think it's fair to say that the Western church has probably not made the best job of this over the last couple of hundred years. So it's something we need to make sure we're picking up and focusing on. It needs to be something that runs through everything that we do. We need to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It has got to be a replicable thing. We need to be a self-replicating movement. It's about teaching people who Jesus is, teaching them to obey everything he's commanded us to do and then teaching them to do the same with others. It's not about just teaching people to be a disciple. It's about teaching them to make disciples. So it becomes normal that it goes on and on and on. And it's not just a one, a one sort of layer thing. This is not just a new trend for us as a church. It's not a flash in the pan idea that we've just come up with. This needs to be the way we live. It needs to be part of our DNA. It needs to be in our culture. So you'll see over coming months how we are ramping this up. We are saying, yeah, maybe we haven't done as much of it as we should have done, but we're going to do more. This is going to be who we are. So firstly, we are going to talk about it a whole lot more. Some of you will be fed up with me standing up and speaking about it, but I'm not going to stop because this is who we are. You've heard that phrase where some, someone does something, you had, you had one job, you just had one job. We're to make disciples. We're doing training and we're including it in what we already do. So talking about it, yes, we're going to talk lots and lots about this. But we need to do more than just talk about it. We're training. We've got a group of people at the moment that we're getting together every week for six weeks. And we're going through this whole subject of discipleship. And it's great because we're going to learn from each other. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to spur one another on. We're equipping each other with tools to use with those who don't yet know Jesus. And there's plenty of them. We're looking at where our opportunities are. Where are those people that we need to find to make into disciples? And the discipleship training is going to run until October as part of a number of training courses we're doing at the moment. And we'll kick off again in October. Um, so, so far, it's the biggest group that's running. Oh, sorry, I was not meant to mention that. And we're going to run it again. And in October, we're doing it on Zoom at the moment, but for those who are just fed up with Zoom, we're going to run it in person after half term as well. We need to include this as well in everything we're already doing. 
You see, this isn't just something that Jesus said, for those of you who are really good at making friends, go and make disciples. For those of you who have got lots of friends, make them disciples. No, he, everyone, all his followers, he said, go. There was no special people to do it. There were no particularly gifted people to do it. This was everybody. And the disciples went out and did it and made a right old mess of it at times. In Luke 8, Jesus sent the 12 out. And they they didn't do a very good job. So what did he do after that? Sent out more. It's for everybody. It's for all of us. So whatever you do, you're called to make disciples in that situation. Whether it's work, hobbies, interests, all the different things you do. It's always good to look at it and say, what's the discipleship opportunity here? It needs to become a way of life. This isn't just an add-on. It's not just something we're trying to do. It's something we should be as disciple makers. We are to be this. It becomes who we are. We need to be doing things that are helping us become better disciples ourselves and better disciplers of others as we make new disciples. And if you're doing things that aren't helping you do that, then ask yourself the question, why am I doing it? It might be something you just need to change in the way you're doing. But we need to be a people who are doing this and seeing every opportunity. Now, last week on the discipleship training, I got people to do an exercise, and I want you all to do it as well. It's not something you've got to do right now, don't worry. It's not a physical exercise, don't worry. What I would encourage you to do when you get home or over the next day or so is make a list. You see, in order to make disciples, to make new disciples, you've got to know some people who aren't currently disciples. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Make a list of all your friends. And I don't mean all those hangers-on on Facebook I mean, people who over the last three to four months you've had some kind of meaningful friendship, relationship, interaction with, whether that's at school, at work, um, playing football, I don't know, whatever you do, make a list of them. But make that into two columns, those who are Christians and those who are not Christians. And then look at that list. What's the ratio of Christians to non-Christians? Are there any people on that list who are not Christians? You see, that list of people is the world that God has put you in. That's where God has called you to be. And look at that list and say, what are my priorities now? What are my priorities? Is that list influencing my diary, my prayers? Because there will be people on that list who don't know Jesus. You need to pray for them and you need to make time for them. Because if you don't make time for them, you won't have the opportunity to make new disciples. That's hard. This is about changing lifestyles. This is about priority, prioritizing those who don't know Jesus. Because you might be the only contact they have who's a Christian. Tough, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard because this is going to affect our whole lives. 
if we're going to do what Jesus has asked us to do, we need to put ourselves amongst those who don't know him. And that might, make, might need some changes. Jesus gave this command to all of his followers. We are to obey his commands, firstly. And then we are to teach others to obey them too. And teach them to teach others and teach them to teach others. And on and on it goes. This is our mission. This is the mission we're on. And we're to take that supernatural culture with us as we do it. We're to take that compassion with us as we do it. We're to reach those who have no other way of knowing Jesus. That's why we're here. It's one of those re- one of the reasons. And one of the things that we do as all this fits together. My time is up. But I challenge you, make that list. Uh, ask God, where are you putting me? Thanks, Paul. So, I hope you've had a good look around and seen a bit more of our vision. Hopefully, we've illustrated it by looking at Sunday mornings as we gather, looking at our supernatural culture, looking at our community impact, looking at our discipleship. And there are other areas as well, which you can think about. But that's been a look at our mission, what we're called to do. And uh, I just want to finish with a, a couple of verses. So Hebrews 10 24, 25. I read half of this earlier. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think all four of those things we've talked about are in those verses. Don't give up meeting together. That's why we're here this morning. Spurring one another on or encouraging one another. That's the heart of the prophetic, the supernatural culture. Towards love and good deeds. If we're not doing that to our community, then we may as well stay at home. And the one another, the one another came out twice. That's discipleship. That's the heart of that. Both internal and then that spills out external. And during worship, I was reminded of this verse from Deuteronomy, which I just want to read as well. It's a similar sort of point. So um, I'm just underlining it, really. But God says, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. Assemble, gather together. Why? To hear what God's doing. Why? So you fear God, that supernatural culture. Why? So that you pass it on to your children. That's discipleship. And what were Israel called to? To be a light to the nations. To impact every single community group that they came into contact with. That was how many thousand years ago? It hasn't really changed what we're about as God's people. And so I'd just like to um, to encourage you that if you feel, yep, This is what I'm signed up for. This is Jubilee. This is what I want to be a part of. I want to encourage you to stand and we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to flood us because we cannot do this in our own strength. We've talked about training in all sorts of different ways. Prophetic school, discipleship training. Great. Training is important, but it's training that is fueled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Otherwise, it's just good management techniques or something like that. Okay, so if you want to be part of that, then do stand and uh, we're going to, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'd encourage you, if you're comfortable in COVID regs and all that kind of stuff, to put your hand on the person next to you and pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit as we leave our gathering this morning to impact the world that we go into. Then please do do that. Yeah, just give a moment to pause and then I'll pray for us. They just start to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh, to stir your heart. Maybe there was one aspect of what's been said this morning that's, that's kind of struck you in a new way. Just ask the Holy Spirit to, to lead you on that, to embed that deep in your heart. Yeah, Father, what a privilege it is for us to be able to freely meet as your people. No restrictions, no danger in meeting together outside of that we encounter the living God. And so would you meet with us now? Would you stir our hearts as we've looked again at the vision that you've given us as a church, at the calling you've placed on us as your people, at the equipping that you've uh, put in our hands to go and change the world for your glory. God, we open ourselves now to you afresh. Would you flood our hearts by your Holy Spirit? Father, may we be stirred to action, encouraged to step out boldly, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray now that the Holy Spirit would come and fill each and every person who is stood in this room. Father, would you bring strengthening by your Holy Spirit, encouragement by your Holy Spirit. Mm. I just encourage you to lay your hands on the person next to you if they're comfortable with that. And ask for the Holy Spirit to flood through them. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you didn't simply establish your church and then abandon us to get on with it. But you sent your Holy Spirit to empower and to lead and to guide. And we want to be a people who are desperately reliant on you. And so, Father, we thank you for your presence amongst us this morning. We thank you for what you've spoken to us. And God, we want to be a people who honour you by living our lives the way you want us to live them. We bless you, Father. Amen.